above depression his name is above loneliness oh his name is above disease his name is above cancer his name is above every other name Good morning. <clears throat> Good morning. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We're going to get started here in just a moment. If you'll make your way in, I know everybody gathers up back here and visits with each with each other and that's that's great man it's good to see you fellowship but it's good to see you here this morning a bunch of bright smiling shiny beautiful faces there you go 
have to wake up this morning and come to church. We're glad you're here. If you're a visitor, it's your first time here, we welcome you to come or welcome you this morning. We invite you to join in with us this morning. And uh, we're going to worship the Lord together. We're going we're gonna to hear a great message today. We're going to get the word of God today. And uh, I believe God's going to move. He's going to do great things this morning. Did you come prepared for a move of God? I hope so. Because he's going to move whether you're prepared or not. Whether you receive it depends on you, whether you come and ready to receive it. Amen. Stand with us this morning. Let's, let's open with a word of prayer as we begin our worship this morning. Father, we love you. Lord, we just thank you for all your greatness. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, I thank you that I know that every day when I wake up, God, you have good things for me. God, that you have blessings for me. God, but I also you expect me to come into your presence and worship you and to, to God to reach out to you and to live for you, God. And we praise you this morning because of your faithfulness and all those things. Lord, we welcome you this morning into this house to come and move and stir among us, Lord. We, we ask for a mighty move of God this morning because you're, God, you're a faithful God. Lord, we praise you this morning. We just, we exalt you this morning. We glorify you in the name of Jesus.
Spirit is here this morning. God, help us to be reverent to your presence, God. Father, give us holy boldness, God, to worship you freely this morning, God. Help us, God, to just forget about everything that's going on around us, Father, and just focus on the only thing that matters, God. And that is you, God. Father, we came here for you. We came here for a new touch, for a fresh anointing of your spirit. For an overabundant presence in our hearts, God. Father, just fill us with your spirit this morning as we move in, in your flow, God, not in ours. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom.
see glorious I run inside the throne room before you and I bow the veil is torn the doors fling see glorious I run inside the throne room before you and I bow forever. 
Thank you, Father Dennis, to start playing. You know, that was, that was an altar call straight from God. We get in trouble when we go by routine, so I'm just going to step out in faith right now and open the altars. If you're seeking God, if you need a miracle, if you're seeking God for someone else, or if you just need someone to pray with you, if you're feeling overwhelmed, whatever the situation may be, he is calling us closer to Him. He is calling us to His altar. Do you have to step out on the altar? No, you don't. I don't believe you have to, to be closer to God. But it helps. Father, we just thank You for Your Word. We thank You, God, for that call.
that you have given us to draw closer to you, God, to seek you, Lord, and you will be found, God. With our whole hearts, Father, we submit ourselves to you this morning. Go ahead and play. Just start at that at the chorus. We're just gonna sing. The altars are open. Singing along with the saints and the elders, glorious song and the praises they sing never seem to get old. Then I'll stay here forever singing. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God Almighty, over all, you are, you are, you'll be forever the King enthroned, glorious place. 
Hallelujah. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's holy yesterday, today, and he'll always be forever. Amen. He heals, he delivers. Amen. Can we just take another second and just worship him for another second? Lord, we worship you because you're the same. Lord, you never change. God, when we come before you, you never tell us no. You never deny us, God, because you're always. Lord, you were there then, you're here now, and you'll be forever our Lord and our healer and our Savior. We thank you for answers to prayers this morning. Lord, we thank you for your move. We thank you for your spirit this morning that's moving this morning. And we praise you, God, that we know you'll never change. God, you'll never turn us away, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. May be seated this morning. I was just asked to announce Heart to Heart this Tuesday night here. Uh, Leanne Hart is a guest speaker. Bring sandwiches, chips, soups, tacos, steaks, lobster. Bring whatever you want to bring. If you want to eat it, bring it. Bring enough for everybody. Now, be a good time. Uh, Leanne Hart's coming to minister, and, and uh, she's uh, she's going to bring a great word, and, and it'll be a great time. So, ladies, be sure and come out to that six o'clock Tuesday back in the fellowship hall, and uh, be sure and get a bulletin. There's other things coming up. Uh, Prime Timers is this Saturday at Blakely's Blakely's Burgers. All right, so be sure and come out for that as well. And uh, bus leave? No, I'm just kidding. It's just down the road. So. But be sure and get a bulletin so you can uh, make sure you get everything and keep up with everything. If our ushers are come, we'll take up our tithes and offering at this time. All right, let's pray over the offering this morning. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to give back to you. Lord, we praise you for all your blessings, Lord. Your word says you'll meet all our needs according to your riches and glory, Father. But you ask us to give just a small portion back. And Lord, as we do that, I pray that you'd bless it this morning. Lord, I pray you'd use this offering to reach people all over the world. But Father, I pray you'd bless those that give, bless those that can't, and those that can. And God, that you'd just be for your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. My wife is always nervous when I get up here, and especially with this microphone. I'm not going to sing, Julie, so, okay, that's another praise. 
I, I do have two or three announcements here, but something's laying on my heart this morning. I, uh, I'm a Fox News guy, okay? I have to testify. I might not agree with everything that we hear, but we hear so much negative on our news and so much, don't call me Trump, fake news, okay? We hear a lot of fake news, but I heard a interview this morning and maybe there were some others that heard it as well. It just really touched my heart. Auburn College, Auburn University, and we automatically think Auburn, okay, huge, right? Well, they had a praying revival, a praying revival. They interviewed these two ladies, young girls, and the thing that just touched me one word was the Holy Spirit was there. The other word was fellowship, freedom. Oh my gosh, it was wonderful to hear it. And it wasn't just a hundred students that were there. They said a thousand plus students were there on their knees. They were standing with their hands held high. My goodness, how wonderful is that? I mean, it should touch all of our hearts at all times. We do have, you know, we think at our young, you know, I'm up at the high school quite a bit and throughout the week and there got one young man right there that he just touches my heart every day that I see him because I know he believes in Jesus Christ. And there's others out there as well that walk up and down those halls too, but you can see it on their face. You can read it. And, you know, I give them a high five. And sometimes it's a four and three quarters, but I give it to them, you know. But it's wonderful. Uh, I just had to share that. I think it's a great thing. Uh, it's just, you know, our young people have got their hands, or they've got, things cut out for them that we're going to leave them and we're leaving them a mess right now so we really need to encourage these young people to keep them going in the right direction and just continue pray for them continue to pray for them a uh, couple of quick announcements they uh after the service tonight we're going to have a fellowship for Jason and his family uh, i'm not going to say that they're you know we're forgetting about them because they, they are moving on to another church. Uh, we're going to miss them terribly, terribly, uh, very, very missed. But I wish everybody would attend tonight, if possible, to uh, give them that pat on the back and encouragement. Pray for them, continue to pray for them. So that'll be after the service tonight. A quick update on, and Ron, or no one told me to mention this, but I'm going to anyway. We had a, since I've got this, I can pretty much say anything I want to, right? Um, come take it, Ron. <laughs> uh, we had a uh, meeting, board meeting, Thursday night. We have got three Zooms set up, Zoom calls set up uh, for this next week. We have one Monday night, and we have two Tuesday night. So continue to pray for the board, please. Please, 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 we need your prayers. Um, this has just been a ongoing, 
It's not like we hadn't really worked hard on trying to get the right person in, but it's God's will. We are praying that God's will continues to work through us. And that's what we're waiting on. And he's got it. He's got it. I know he's got it. Well, I guess I'm going to have to go this direction now. We have, we have Gary Rogers. I want to say Roy Rogers because I think, man, you ought to put a badge on you there. That'd be great. Um, but we have Gary Rogers here going to deliver our message this morning. I'll let you introduce your wife as well. We're very honored to have you and look forward to hearing your message. And uh, welcome. He still does. And I'll tell you, of course, very openly and very honestly, I love Gary and Vonda Dotson. They're very special friends to Paul and I. And I can tell you also that I sent Gary a text and said, hey, guess where I'm going to be preaching this next Sunday? <laughs> and, and I said, I'm going to be down at Lone Grove. And he said, I will be praying for you. <laughs> now, y'all shouldn't have left there. Uh, that, that means he really cares for y'all. He really cares for you. And I'm going to tell you, greater days are ahead. Okay, you didn't hear me. I said, greater days are ahead. And I, I will tell you what Gary and Vonda Dodson want for you is Gary and Vonda Dodson want you to recognize greater days are ahead. God wants a moving event. I am so thankful for the revival that is spreading across the college campuses in America right now. Can you say amen? Thank God. The thing that I would like to challenge you with, though, is it doesn't have to be just young people. Us grayheads, it's time for us to wake up. And, and I appreciate what my brother said, but I want to change one thing. I don't plan on leaving them a mess. I plan on leaving them a church on fire for Jesus Christ. I plan on this church coming alive, this generation. We are the generation. Come be with me, if you will. I get to be with you for the next few weeks. And, and the moment you get a pastor, I will disappear. Uh, but at the same time, now, I, I, just to be very honest with you, I am retired. And I love retirement. And I like to show younger people that you can, you can retire and have a good time. You don't have to be old and be a grouch. Right. I am so sick and tired of old grouches. Yeah. 
Uh, in fact, Paul and I are leaving a, a week from tomorrow, headed to Florida. We're going to go to the Florida Keys, never been there. And we love retirement. I preach every Wednesday night at Discovery Church, Yukon, Oklahoma, where my son-in-law, Kevin Fouts, is the pastor, and my daughter, Martha, alongside of him. So I have every Wednesday night. Uh, I get to go to churches like here, and I love being here with you. I get to go stir you up, and then I get to leave. And that's exactly what I want to do today. I love the Lord. Did I say that yet? Now, there was something that happened a while ago that, that I love. Now, excuse me, and I apologize for kind of moving a little bit stiff. I had a hip, I used to compete weightlifting and manage health clubs and was a Tulsa fireman. And so my body's kind of been through quite a few things, but I just had a hip replacement surgery, total replacement, eight weeks ago. And so I'm doing great. The doctor says, man, you are doing great. Uh, some of you young people look at me and boy, he looks like an old dude moving. Uh, but I'm doing great. I'm do if you know what a hip replacement surgery looks like, I am blessed. But we did something while ago that I don't want to overlook the opportunity for someone being here that maybe didn't recognize what was happening. I have, I have the heart of a pastor. And I want to tell you, one of the things that my heart breaks for you in between pastors is that you don't have a pastor praying for you. And I, I was thinking, what, what if some, excuse me, but what if somebody this week was having a hip surgery? I know eight weeks ago before I had mine, I wanted somebody to pray for me before I went in for surgery. And what if somebody here is going through a divorce? What if somebody here needs a financial blessing? And what if somebody here really needs to touch God on behalf of a need? And they would just like for somebody to take an anointing. Oil. See, I believe in anointing with oil, praying the prayer of faith and letting the Lord do the work. Would you stand with me, please? Now there's no music and that's okay. But now my personal belief is this, I worship the Lord and sometimes I sing. Are you with me? Yeah. I don't have to wait till the music starts before I worship the Lord. That's right. That's right. I worship the Lord on Monday. I worship Him on Saturday. I worship Him every day. Anybody say amen with me? Amen. But you're here this morning and you have a need. And all I'm asking is if you'd like to come stand across the front of this church, I want to anoint you with all and I want to pray for you. You're here this morning. You've got a need. You want to give to Jesus. I'm going to ask for the elders of the church to come up behind you. Come on. It's okay. Uh, you get to be the first. If there's other people you've got a need, I'm going to ask a youth pastor and, and all the, any other elders, deacons, just come and stand behind them and allow me to just come in front of them and anoint with oil, and then we're going to touch faith. Paula, come and join me, dear, and we're going to pray for God to touch. Father, thank you. Congregation, stretch your hand this way. Father, we come right now by faith. Lord, you know our need even before we ask. And Lord, we believe, we are convinced that you are the answer. As we anoint with all, we pray the prayer of faith. And Lord, you do that work that only you as God can. We come believing, Father. We come believing in a God in which all things are possible. In you, nothing carries the label impossible. You're more than enough. And Father, we touch faith together in Jesus' name. 
In Jesus' name, do the work, Father. We come by faith, yielding and surrendering our need to you. Father, I anoint my sister with oil. And Father, we pray for your touch. Take, Father, what the enemy has meant for evil and God, turn it around for good. We pray, Father, for the miracle healing touch of Jesus Christ. By your stripes, we were healed. We claim your provision, we claim your promise, Father, and reveal yourself openly, mightily, and specifically, Lord. We pray, move in this need as only you can, Father. Turn it around to your glory, and may all see that it's your hand at work. May all give you the glory. Father, I pray for my sister. I anoint her with oil. And Father, you take this need. May you be manifested in your power, in your glory. And Father, turn it around in such a way that you are blessed. So Father, minister to every need of this congregation. Lord, we are your people. We are called by your name. And Lord, we want your blessing, your provision. We want you. We seek your hand, your hand of blessing, your hand of provision, Father. In Jesus, in Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Lord. God is good. Can you say amen? amen. God bless your heart. You can be seated. Thank the Lord for his blessings. I do not believe this little clicker is going to work, so let me go to the other clicker. Is that okay? Clicker, clicker. See if that clicker is going to work. Nope. Pardon me. Do I have to turn it on? Thank you. Okay, you big dummy, turn it on. No, you're being sweet. Let's see. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I think this has already been mentioned a few times by both our worship leader and See, when a message in tongues is given with an interpretation, I really listen. I pause for an amen or two. Do you listen? Yes. You know, and that's the reason for it. When that interpretation is given, we're supposed to listen. Yes. And in part of that was to seek God. Yes. And then when I heard that, I go, thank you, Lord. Because the reality is God wants to bring every meeting together and accomplish in these meetings exactly what he desires. The challenge with that is, now, now look at me please, I'm a preacher that likes your baby blues and browns. And that is, the challenge is, is we've got to work together. Uh, you're in a process of getting a pastor. I look at a pastor congregation. I, I pastored as a youth pastor at Sand Springs for 13 years. I was pastor at Coweta Assembly for 17. And, I was at Chickasha Grand Assembly for 10 years, and now I'm at Discovery Church, Yukon. And I can tell you that a pastor-church relationship is like a marriage. And that is, you need to get a fit, someone that is right for you. And in that relationship, when you have this beautiful relationship of a pastor and a church, God can move, and God wants to move. The challenge is, you need to participate because this is not a spectator sport. This is you getting involved. And, and the reality is I want to preach to you, but there'll be absolutely zero preaching unless you let me, unless you're willing to hear the word of the Lord. 
I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, I've got God's word for you this morning. And, and I want you to receive this word from the Lord. If you would please find your Bible, find if you would please Genesis chapter 29. Thank you for bringing your word uh, to the church. You always want to check the preacher, make sure that he's preaching the word of God. We don't need man's opinion. We don't need doctrines of man. We don't need traditions of man. What we need desperately is the word of God. Father, I pray your anointing upon your word right now. We pray that hearts would be open to receive. We pray that the outcome would be everything you want it to be. So, Father, bless this time in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, the teaching of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, is this. He said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then notice that last phrase, and all these other things will be added unto you. Prior to this verse, he talks about the lily of the fields, how they are so pretty and well cared for. He talks about the bird of the air and how the birds are able to find food and nourishment and the things that they need. But you, but you Christian, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all this other stuff is going to be added unto you because he knows what you have need of. Can anybody say amen? amen? If you will, notice the little phrase I put under that. Notice it does not say, it does not say seek only the kingdom of God. I, I have found in scripture that one of the constant, consistent tactics of our spiritual enemy is to make God harder than he is. If you remember in the garden, uh, the, the serpent, uh, Satan, came to the man and the woman and said this, listen to this lie. Hath not God said that you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? What did he do right there? He made God harder than he is. Because God said, don't eat out of one tree. Are you with me? What I see over and over and over in the tactics of the enemy is he always tries to make God harder than he is. The sad reality is, is the church has fallen in that trap many times. I'm going to tell you people, we've got to get people to Jesus and make it easy for people to find Jesus. We need to get rid of the traditions of man. And what we need is Jesus Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit moving in our church today. Can you say amen with me? But if you will, what I find is, is this, we need to seek God first. I love taking a biblical principle, a New Testament principle, and, and illustrating it with an Old Testament story. Here is the principle again from the Old Testament. It's found in Psalm 24, 3 through 6. It says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. How are we clean and how are we made pure? By the blood of the Lamb. Thank God for the cleansing power of the blood of the Lamb. Is that he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is, this is what we're seeing, brother, uh, in the colleges, in the move of God today. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek his face. This is the generation. 
This is the college. This is the young people. Thank God that the revival's among young people, but we want it to spread to every age group. And this is the generation who seek your face, seek God's face. There is a difference between seeking God's hand and seeking God's face. There is a difference. What I would love for you to see, if you would please look at me just a moment, and I, I'd like to illustrate this, seeking God's hand and seeking God's face. If you would see two rooms here, see maybe a threshold and a doorway going between two rooms. In this room, let me illustrate saying, this is where I seek his hand. We just while ago sought God's hand. We prayed for healing. We prayed for restorative of marriage. We prayed for God to move his hand to move in lives and circumstances. I'm going to tell you, every morning I get up, I seek God's hand. There's nothing wrong with seeking his hand. Anybody say amen? Thank God we can seek his hand for our, our blessings, provisions, our keeping, our protection. Thank God for his hand involved in our lives. When you walk through this threshold and come into this room, just to illustrate this, in this room I seek his face. When I seek his face, now it changes because here God is the object of my desire. In this room, he becomes the one I seek approval of. In this room, he is the one I want to please. And all my focus in this room is I seek his face. I seek him. I seek him for who he is. I seek him because I, I want to acknowledge that he is more important to me than anything in my life. I want his approval. I want him to be blessed in me. I want him magnified through, can you say amen? That is seeking his face. And now understand in this, there is a Christian joy. Now please get this with me, stick with me please. There's a Christian joy that you can experience in this room that you'll never experience in this room. Thank God for his hand. Thank God for his blessings. And thank God for the provisions. But the reality is God is, now please look at me, get this. God is wanting to draw you into the room where you know how to seek his face. Uh, consider with me these scriptures about the joy of the Lord. In, in, in Nehemiah 8 and 10, do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is what? It is our strength. If you will, Psalm 1611 says, in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 27 and 6 says, therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. See, that's exactly what we've been doing. And, and it's the joy of the Lord that now should be radiating here. Uh, if you will, Psalm 51 and 12 says, uh, restore to me the joy of your salvation. See, there, there's a joy that every believer ought to experience. Uh, Psalm 126 and 5 says, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Thank God, God wants to wipe away your tears this morning and the broken heart and the brokenness. And he wants to be able to take you from that place of sorrow into a place of joy. Uh, I love Isaiah 12 and 3, it says, Therefore, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Now, when you are able to move from just seeking God's hand into the room of seeking God's face, there's a brand new joy that you experience. And please look at me and understand the difference. Over here, many times in your Christian experience, it becomes an obligation. 
you know, I, I, I've got to be in church, and man, I, I need to be in church, and, and I, it's my duty to be there, and I'm, I, I've got to give up this, and I've got to quit that cussing, I've got, I got to quit that smoking, and, and I've I got to quit going to the casino, and i got to do this. And over here, many times, the Christian experience is out of obligation. Uh, but when you move over here to where you really know how to seek His face, now it's no longer an obligation. You want to be in God's house. You, you want to worship Him. You have nothing that you have to give up. You want to give it up. I want to be more like Him and less like me. I want Him to be glorified through me. I, I seek His approval. I, I, I set Him as the one that I want to please. I'm going to tell you, quit seeking the approval of someone who will never give it. There is someone who wants to desperately give you approval, and that is God. God wants to show you how much He loves you. And all He wants from you is for you to just seek Him, to enter into seeking His face. Now, you can't express, express Christian joy if you don't have it. And you can't have it if you don't know where to get it. And I'm going to tell you, there is a place that you can get Christian joy. I see it in a beautiful story in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we have this story about some individuals. We find Jacob here. We find Rachel. We find Laban. And we find a, a lady. A lady's name is Leah. Over the years, a lot of preachers, and I've got to say I've been guilty of it too, have got a little laughter out of Leah. And I'm going to tell you, that's not going to happen this morning. When you go with me to Genesis 29, verse 15, it says, Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? We know the story. What's happened is Jacob has left his home. He's now fleed his brother Esau. He's come to now his uncle Laban's house. He's been working for Laban. And now Laban says, hey, you don't need to work for me for nothing. I know we're relatives, but the reality is I need to pay you for your effort and for your work. And so he asks the question, verse 18, what should your wages be? Verse 16, now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older one, the elder, was Leah. And the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate. Some translations say weak. But Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Notice the comparison. I think it's obvious what weak eyes mean when you look at the comparison. If you'll notice with me, now Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. Forget about the older one. I want the younger one. Verse 19, and Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love that he had for her. Now, in this lesson and in this message and how to receive joy, we're going to learn something from probably the most unlikely character in that story, and that is from Leah. If you would, please, what I would see first about Leah is, number one, is I want you to see with me the life, the life that she was given. 
Leah, I believe, was like some of us who have wondered why God put us on this planet. Leah is like some of us that says, does God love me? Consider Leah. Is God a good God? Why has God treated me like this? Leah had every right to ask those questions. Leah from the Hebrew literally means, and this is on the screen, literally means weary or tired. In verse 17, you can see the translation. Uh, it says, Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful. So the comparison tells us that is this. Leah was not pretty, and Rachel was. I think that's that blunt and that easy to see, because it was a comparison. Now, if Leah looked in the mirror, get this please. Some of you teenagers really need to hear this message. If Leah looked in the mirror, she saw no natural beauty. If Leah looked in the mirror, she saw nothing to gain the love of the man that she would marry. Uh, if Leah looked in the mirror, she saw a young woman without in comparison to a sister with. Are you with me? That's what Leah saw. Many of us can relate more with Leah than Rachel. Uh, there's only one valedictorian for the most part. There's only one quarterback. There's a whole bunch sitting over on the bench. Are you with me? If you're honest with me, and I'm being honest with you, most of us can honestly relate more with Leah than with Rachel. Uh, someone else is better and more qualified, more suitable. Uh, consider this. Someone else has a better education, a better marriage, kids that have turned out right. Uh, someone else earns more money, has greater opportunities, better health, and really somebody else could probably do a better job. That's us. Leah had a sad life given to her. She had a life given to her that honestly she had absolutely nothing to do with. She, didn't, she did nothing to be able to see it become her life. If you will, what we see is this. Uh, let me get back to that. There we go. There we go. There we are. And the scriptures tells us that Jacob loved Rachel. What the scripture tells us is Jacob, let me just let you fast forward that for me. Uh, what it tells us is, is that Jacob worked seven years for Rachel and Jacob's passion for Rachel made the seven years like days. If you'll notice with me, I, I think verse 23, there we go, yes. 29, 23 says, on wedding night, Laban pulled a switch on Jacob and he gave him Leah. So what we see in the story is, and when you follow along, we see this, that Jacob fulfilled the seven years and then it came to the time for Rachel to be given to him. Laban deceives Jacob and slips in Leah. In verse 25, it was not until the next morning that Jacob recognized the deception. The scripture reads, so it came to pass in the morning that behold, it was Leah. Yeah. My, my first inclination is how in the world could that happen? Are you with me? Yeah. You know, how in the world could it, he wake up the next morning and, and go, whoa, you're not Rachel, you're Leah. 
Um, just being somebody who likes to try to search out questions and find answers, here's some possible. Uh, there was no electricity in the tent. Are you with me? Uh, another option is, is Leah was likely wearing a veil. She came in with a veil on. And the last, which I think every man, every man here will amen me, Jacob didn't check her ID. Every man in the room would have to say, hey, man, man, at that time, I'm not here to check your ID. See who you, you know, the reality is Leah came in and they were in a tent and with the lighting and with the aspects of the evening, Jacob didn't say, you know, who are you? I want to make for sure. They had the evening together and it wasn't until the next morning that the deception was recognized. In verse 25, it says, What is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel I served you? When they had, why then have you deceived me? So understand, wow, what a heartbreak. What a heartbreak for this girl to spend the night with this man and for it to be now seen as a deception. It was a deception. Uh, understand this. How do you think it made Leah feel that when she woke up the next morning, Jacob felt insulted, Jacob felt deceived because she spent the night with him? Consider this. She had been given to Jacob according to custom and her father's plan. She gave herself to Jacob. Jacob didn't want her. Jacob wanted her younger sister. All this, and Leah can't do anything to change it. Uh, in Genesis 29 and 30, it says, Then Jacob also went into Rachel. He also loved Rachel more than Leah. What we see in verse 27 is, is there was one week that passed. It says, Finish this, my daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also. So there was one week that passed in the bridal week for Leah, and then Rachel was given to Jacob. So what we see, it is obvious to everyone, including Leah, that she is not the love of Jacob's life. Obvious. Can you say amen? It's just obvious. Uh, can you imagine being married to someone who loves someone else? What a heartbreak. That's Leah. She was married to someone who loved someone else. Now, you can't help but see Leah as a young woman, hurt, shamed, depressed, with a low self-esteem, with a negative self-image. This girl would have been damaged goods. Uh, talk about not knowing joy. This girl would have no understanding of joy. If you will, please, it's very obvious in the story that Leah went along with the deception. Are you with me? Look, look at the obvious. She didn't come into the tent and say, wait, I want this right up front. I'm Leah. She didn't. She went along with the deception. That even escalates the fact of how hurt the little girl, the young lady was, how damaged she was. So what we see is Leah in her life is about as low as you can go. What we see also, Leah was not, uh, life was not fair to Leah. Again, her natural uh, beauty. There we go. Her natural Ability was lacking. Her younger sister had it. 
where she didn't. Her husband felt deceived and tricked into marrying her, and she gave herself to a man who didn't love her. And there at the bottom, this is the point. It was the life that she was given. What I see is this. For many people, life has not turned out like you wanted it. Your marriage didn't turn out like you wanted it. You married someone who put on this show, this pretense at the beginning, and then before long it became abusive. And it's not exactly what you wanted. For many, circumstances have been handed you beyond your control. You didn't do it. It was handed to you. There are aspects of your life that you had no say in. Absolutely no say in. But here's the question, and please look at me and get this, church. You need this desperately. Uh, does this give us an excuse to roll up in a ball and die? Uh, does this give us an excuse to live in anger and depression? We see many people taking their lives today. There's an escalation of teenagers. Yes, thank God for the revival on the college campuses, but I'm going to tell you, if you keep up with statistics, and as I know our youth pastor does, the reality is there is an escalation in the number of teenage suicides. Uh, understand, does this give us an excuse to blame God and to hate people? Does this give us an excuse to live a life without joy and just be miserable for the rest of our lives? Does this give us an excuse to have no ambition, no desire, no hope, and no drive for life? I'm going to tell you, no. Joy should not be determined by the circumstances of your life. Let me say that again. Joy should not be determined by the circumstances of your life. You can't let your joy be robbed because you're going through a difficult time. Anybody say amen? amen. Now, in my personal life, yes, I just had a hip surgery. And, and it just now I tell you this just to understand. Uh, I've had a shoulder replacement surgery. I've had five back surgeries. And, and I'm kind of paying the price of yesterday, you know, some of the things I did. But the reality is it doesn't matter if it's physical. It doesn't matter if it's relational, your family. I, I was raised in a home by a man who was abusive and was a backslidden sinner. And he was mad at God. Uh, he cussed me out every Sunday afternoon because I went to church. I, I come to tell you this, and let me say this again. Joy should not be determined by the circumstances of your life. That's right. Amen. Amen. Leah wasn't looking for excuses to give up. Leah looked for a source of true joy. And I want you to see it, Leah. Please stick with me. We're going to track this together. And there we go. We'll, we'll do that. Second point is, is this, her pathway to God. When I, I, when I study the story, I see a change in Leah. Look at me just a moment. This is what I see. I see her going from this room to this room. And I want you to see it in Leah. If you will, Rachel was for a while unable to have children. Jacob turned to Leah for children. And boy, Leah was a baby-having girl. Yeah. In Genesis 29 and 31, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, Jacob doesn't love her, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Verse 32 says the first child was born. It's a boy. Firstborn son named Reuben. Reuben literally means behold or see a son. With this name, verse 32, she said this, 
The Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. But he didn't. If you will, the next one was born in verse 33. It says, the second born was Simeon, which means heard. With that name, she said this, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved. He has given me this son also. If you will, verse 34, the third son is born. His name is Levi. Uh, Levi literally means attached. With this name, she said this. Now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have bore him three sons, but he didn't. Then I see something change in Leah. Now understand these are just verse after verse after verse, but this is over a period of time. And now I see something in verse 35 that speaks volumes about Leah's heart. There's a change of heart. Uh, it says that there was this fourth son born, and his name is now Judah. And Judah means praise. And this is what Leah says. With this name, she said, now I will praise the Lord. Now I will seek God first. That's exactly what she's doing. See, the birth of these boys was over this period of time. And notice, notice the change in Leah with time. With the birth of the first three sons, whose approval was she seeking? Let me make that a question. In the birth of the first three sons, whose approval was she seeking? She's over here. She's seeking Jacob. That's the object of her desire. That's the passion of her life. That's who she wants to please. Uh, here, uh, he is number one in her life. She, she is seeking Jacob, more important than anything else. Be careful what you seek. Yeah. Then there's a transition. She's left this room. She's come over here. And now who is she seeking the approval of? Now she's seeking God. And she says, now I will praise the Lord. Now I'm going to quit seeking his approval, and now I'm going to start seeking his approval. That is the change in Leah's heart. And that's a change that we need. If you'll notice with me, first son, behold a son, Reuben, second, heard, Simeon, attached, Levi, praise Judah. She went from seeking her joy in her relationship with Jacob to finding her joy in her relationship with God. I'm going to tell you, church, you're not going to find true joy in stuff. You're not going to find true joy in power, prestige, or finances. I, I expected a few more amens in that. The only place you're going to find true joy is in your per personal relationship with Jesus Christ. In Jesus, you find your fulfillment. In Jesus, you find your purpose. In Jesus, you find your reason. I know why I'm here. I know who I belong to. I know where I'm going. Thank God. Now, Leah reacted, and, and she reached the place of understanding she needed to find her identity in God, not Jacob. She reached the place where she understood that she needed to seek the approval of the one who wanted to give it. In the story, you can see it's obvious. Jacob really didn't want to give her his approval. God did. And what we see is Leah reached the place of understanding that she needed to find her joy in the right place, and that was God. So what I see is, is this. She says, now, now. I've reached the place. Now I will praise the Lord. 
even in spite of my living circumstances. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter what people have called you. It doesn't matter what people have said about you. What is important is, what does God think about you? If you will, number three. And I see the fulfillment that she had. Oh, thank you for that. I see the fulfillment in her seeking God's face. I'm going to tell you, please listen to me. If you want to be blessed financially, seek God first. If you want to be blessed in relationships, seek God first. If you want to be blessed in your personal uh, understanding of who you are, where you're going, and, and having, you know, I think God wants us to be able to be strong in our identity. I know who I am in Christ, and I know who my Christ is. Can anybody say amen? amen? But now what I see is her fulfillment in seeking God's face. It's amazing to consider the number of lives that this one lady touched. Look at the screen with me. She had, if you will, Levi. From Levi came the priesthood and Moses and Aaron and Ezra and all the priests. And Moses wrote the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible. That's Moses. Moses received the Ten Commandments. Moses talked with God and received specifications for worship. None of this would have happened without Leah. From Judah came Boaz, and from Boaz came Jesse, and from Jesse came David. Without Leah, we would have no Judah. Without Leah, we'd have no Boaz, and without Leah, we'd have no David, and without David, we'd have no Solomon. So without Leah, there would be just think of your Bible. There would be no Psalms, no Ecclesiastes, no Song of Solomon. There'd be no Pentateuch without Leah. Not bad for the ugly sister. Can anybody say amen? amen? And understand, without David, there'd be no Jesus. Because Jesus comes from the lineage of David. And please understand, so without Leah, there would be no salvation, there'd be, there'd be no Savior, there'd be no forgiveness, there'd be no hope, and there'd be absolutely no joy. From this one lady who had nothing comes everything. I'm going to tell you, church, don't let anyone look down upon you at this time, at this place, at this juncture of your history. God's got something better for you. God wants the, there to be a last day's revival, an awakening that comes to Lone Grove Assembly of God Church. I can tell you that beyond a shout of a doubt. Yes, thank God for the revival at Asbury. Thank the Methodists. Thank God for the revival at Auburn. Thank God you, you look it up and there's a number of college campuses right now that are experiencing revival. But the reality is God wants to bring revival to this church. God wants there to be a, an awakening. There's going to be many lost souls saved. That's what God wants to do. God wants to build his kingdom. God wants the bound to be delivered, the hungry to be filled, the sick to be healed. God wants there to be a glorious restoration. Homes to be restored, marriages to be restored, lives to be restored, just like Leah. <laughs> From Leah we learn, don't let anyone look down upon you. I don't care if your dad told you you're never going to amount to anything. I don't care what that teacher said or what that coach said or what that boss said. It doesn't matter. 
What matters is what God says. Leah's fulfillment came in seeking God's face and not approval of man. Now, notice with me, I, I want to, you're, you're doing so beautifully, and, and thank you for putting that up there because I can see it now. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, I want, it, now go with me one more step. Y'all have done beautiful in staying with me, but I, I want to track scripture because I, I want you to see what God did for Leah as a result of this transition. Remember what Jesus said, what, what I'm doing, this is one of my methods of preaching, and that is to take a New Testament principle and illustrate it with an Old Testament story. And that way you get more Bible. Because I want the people under my ministry to get a whole lot of word. And so the reality is, the biblical principle is, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all this other stuff will be added into you. Okay, now that, that's the biblical principle. And here is the biblical illustration. Leah made that change, seeking God first. Now, track this with me. You're going to have to put on your thinking cap and get out your Bible knowledge. But in Genesis 25 and 19, Rachel died in giving birth to Benjamin. This was Joseph's brother, Benjamin. There's only two that Rachel had, Joseph and Benjamin. In Genesis 37 and 2, Joseph is 17 years. We know also Genesis 41 and 46 Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh. So if you'll notice with me, we know that Rachel died after, of course, the, the birth of the, her second son. Joseph is older, so we know that. And so what I can track is I can track years. And what I see is in Genesis 47 and 28, Jacob lived in the land of Egypt for 17 years. And what does all that tell me? Well, it's on the very there we go. It's that yelling. It says this, Jacob and Leah were together for 30 years after Rachel's death. Yeah. See, Rachel, Rachel died with the birth of Benjamin. Joseph was the older son. Joseph was 17 years old when he went into slavery, Potiphar's house, the prison, and then the palace. And if you remember with me now, after these 13 years and then 17 years, we know Jacob and Leah were together for 30 years after Rachel died. When I look at Genesis chapter 49, verse 31, what I see is the desire of Jacob when he dies. Now, if you note with me, when Rachel died, we, we see that where she was buried. Rachel died and she's buried near Bethlehem. But then now Jacob talks about his death. And this is what he says in Genesis 49 and 31. He says, there at that cave, at that place, there they buried Abraham and Sarah, my grandparents. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah, my parents. And there I buried Leah. And he said, there's where I want to be buried. See, this is what I see. When Jacob died, he said, I want to be buried next to Leah, the love of my life. What we see is, is this, the lady who could have become bitter, could have become hateful because of the life that she was given, the ugly sister, uh, the one who could have just been mean and mad and, and hateful all the time, she came over here and she began to seek God's face. She put God first. 
and how God changed her life. And because he sought her first, she added, he added all these other things. He gave her the love of her life. He gave her Jacob. I'm going to tell you this morning, church, the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus wants to give life and life abundantly. All we have to do is like the message in tongues interpretation earlier is this. All we have to do is surrender our lives, yield our lives, submit our lives to him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all this other stuff will be added to you. Can I say amen? God wants to do a work in this hour. He wants to, please look at me. He wants to do it in two ways. He wants to do it individually in your individual lives. And he wants to do it corporately in the church body together. And there is a work I believe that God wants to do even this morning in your life and in the life of this church. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you, Lord, that when we seek you first, it takes care of everything else. Thank you, Lord, that this morning your Holy Spirit is here. Your presence is here. And Father, I pray that you would break down every wall, that you'd remove every barrier, that you'd take away every obstacle that would hinder any man, woman, teenager, boy, or girl coming to you. Remove those obstacles, Father, in Jesus' name. With heads bowed, eyes closed, the worship team coming, no one looking around. I want to give an opportunity for you to accept Christ. You're here this morning and you've heard this word and you recognize God is for you. God is not against you. God wants to love you. God wants to help you. Please, no one looking around. I'm, getting, I, I'm, I'm going fishing for lost souls. You're here and every Christian, if you would, please right now be praying with me. Pray for the lost to fill the drawing of God's spirit. You're here this morning. You need to know that there's a good God that loves you and wants to meet with you right now, right here this morning. And he wants to save your soul. He wants to forgive you. He wants to give you newness of life. And I'd love to have a sinner's prayer with you seated right there where you are. I'm not going to ask you to stand or walk to the front. I'm going to lead you to Christ with you seated right there where you are. And you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Gary, I'm going to pray that prayer. You lead me in it, I'm going to lead, and I'm going to accept Christ. You're here this morning, you need Christ. Would you hold up your hand? Wherever you are, all across the congregation, God bless you, young man in the back. I see your hand. God bless your heart. Are there any others? You're here this morning, you just say, I, I need to pray a sinner's prayer, making Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. Are there any others? I'll lead the prayer for one, but I believe there's more than one here that needs Christ. You're here this morning, you say, this is my time, this is my moment, and I want to establish Jesus, not as a fire escape, just trying to miss hell, but I want to establish him Lord of my life. You're here this morning, you say, I won't pray that prayer, any others? I'm going to ask for another group of people here this morning, you're Christians, you're on your way to heaven, but what you realize with this word, that what you need is you need to seek God first. And you want to get your focus off of other things and get your focus on God. Would you hold up your hand? All across the congregation, hands going up. Bless your heart. 
I want to ask you, congregation, would you stand with me, please? I'd like to ask everyone just out of respect, would you please stand? Because what we're going to first do is we're going to lead one to Christ. There might be somebody by way of live stream. We're going to lead this prayer, and this whole congregation is going to join me. And what we're doing is, if you pray this prayer, meaning it from the depth of your heart, right now you're accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Congregation, let's lead these to Christ. Pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. Lord, come into my life. Forgive me my sin and help me live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And let's give God glory for that. Thank you, Lord. Thank God for all that accepted Christ. I want to ask you this morning, and I, I really expect these altars to be full. Because I'm going to ask you this morning, there was many hands that went up saying, man, I want to make God first in my life. I believe that it probably, it should be every one of us. Can I say, it should be every one of us. I, I, I want distractions. There's a whole lot of distractions in a church that is going through a pastoral change. I want all the distractions to be moved out of this way. I want all the things that would attempt to grab my attention or to grab my focus, I want all of those to be moved out of the way. What I want more than anything else is I want to seek Him and seek His face, not just His hand. If you're here this morning, you want to spend some time around the altar, I'm going to invite you to come and join us right now. Just if you will, as our sister leads us in worship, just come around these altars. If there's some reason you don't feel comfortable coming around the altar, would you turn and make an altar there where you're standing? But let's come around these altars. Father, here's a church that recognizes our desperate need for you. And Lord, we want every distraction removed. We want everything that is clamoring for our attention, every voice to go silent. And Lord, right now in this quiet time with you, we reestablish you as the object of our desire. We reestablish you, Lord, as the one that we seek approval of. It is your approval we want. We establish you, Lord, as, as the one that we desire. Lord, we seek you. We seek you. We want you to take complete authority in this church. We want everything brought in obedience to Christ. We believe, Father, the greater days are ahead. We believe that a revival fire is burning. And Lord, we want to be a part of it. We want to be a part of it, Father. Bring an awakening, Lord. Bring a stirring of your Holy Spirit that takes this church forward in you. Lord, we pray for the next pastor, God, whoever that is. We pray that there'd be an anointing, there'd be an equipping, that there'd be an empowering of your Holy Spirit for this next pastor. God, wherever he is and whoever he is, may there be that joining of that pastor in this church. Take your authority, Father. Move by your spirit. We seek you.
God is so good. Father, thank you for your presence that is here this morning. Thank you for what you've done and thank you for that that you want to do. 
And Lord, we believe with all of our hearts that greater things are coming. So Lord, bless these people, honor them, give them a great afternoon, bring us back tonight to hear from your word. And though we may leave each other's presence, Lord, we don't wanna leave yours. So Lord, may there be that ever abiding of your presence with your people, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless your hearts, love you. Thank you, Lord.